Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Jim Stranger Outdoors. This is our number two of the broadcast, obviously, and we are talking deer hunting tonight with Scott Cronin, a near and dear friend of mine who is a very serious deer hunter from West Kentucky. He is what I refer to as an all-season, all-weapons hunter, right out of my note page. But what I mean by that, he hunts with archery equipment, he hunts with a muzzleloader, he hunts with a rifle, he hunts with what he can to harvest deer. He's taken a lot of really nice big bucks uh, at various portions of the state on public and private ground. And he's our guest tonight. We're talking all things deer. If you've got any questions for either of us or any comments about the early muzzleloader season or what you've seen during early archery, call us at 571-8484 or one 800 Four 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 eighty four, which is exactly what Mike did, calling from St. Matthews. Hey, Mike, welcome aboard. Hey, Jim, how you been, brother? I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well. Well, I'm doing better. It's been a rough month and a half. I lost my wife back middle of September to uh, cancer, breast cancer. But uh, I'm ready to get back to the woods now. Mike, I really hate to hear that. I um, prayers at you, brother. Yeah, but uh, I just picked up a new piece of property hunt, and uh, everything y'all are, are saying is, is spot on. I did get out uh, a week ago last Friday and went and I looked at it on Onyx Hunt before I even went in there and had a good idea. looked at some funnel areas and other areas that I wanted to go scout, and I went in there and uh, all the sign was there, and I mean, there's and the persimmons this year are so loaded. I can't believe how loaded the persimmons are this year and the acorns too, Jim. It, it is an unbelievable year for that. I, the persimmons in particular, a lot of them are, the limbs are breaking and drooping to where it's, it's purely amazing. And I, I will say this, when I say heavy, and Scott, you dive in here, I'm talking about as heavy as I've ever seen it. And I've been a, pretty observant uh, person about this for decades, you know, more than yeah. 50 years, and I can tell you, I've just, I've never seen the like. It's unbelievable. They're, they're plump. I've never seen they're it full. Go ahead. Yeah, they're, they're plump and full. I had a uh, Rylan Morris, a uh, good friend of mine, Chad Morris, brought his son in, and they hunted over on uh, Peabody WMA yesterday evening and and chad we were talking this morning he said man i don't think the deer have found the persimmons yet and i said what makes you think or think that and he said but they're they're all over the ground well years past you could just about walk underneath any loaded persimmon tree and you wouldn't find anything but you know some some droppings some feces around because the deer would just clean them up well there's so many right now i don't think they can keep up with the production so the 
the supply is definitely at a level I've never seen. I totally yeah, agree, and and the and the acorns too. I mean, in the area that I was in, and look, and the, the acorns are just uh, they're all over. I mean, the yeah. food abundance for here right now is so plentiful; it's hard to kind of pattern one right now. But I have set it, up a couple of cameras in a funnel area and over a couple of good areas. And I have had, and I haven't been in the woods yet to hunt, but I have had some some really nice deer start showing up on on camera. Yeah, yes, there's sir. a lot of acorns out there, so we we know food's not the most limiting resource. Uh, we're getting ready to set up for a dry. You know, the ten day forecast is dry. Um, right now, I, I wish that people would really key in on where is deer bedding because that that is really uh, the resource that people are going to have to find. And the reason why is because those deer are going to bed every day, whether it's hot or cold. Um, deer are going to feed every day, whether it's hot or cold. But what people have to realize is these deer don't have to move far out of bedding. A lot of these deer are eating in bedding because the you know those acorn trees the persimmons whatever it is they're dropping right there in the bed um hunt that fresh sign um don't don't let the acorns get your attention this cause years past or other seasons southern scenarios before you find acorns you get in there and hunt it because droppings are there and they're gonna be there if you're not finding a a, a quote-unquote feed tree where it looks like a leaf blower or a rake or hogs or whatever have kind of been in there while. And if you're not seeing bare ground and dirt, a lot of a lot of droppings, just keep walking till you find an acorn that is. And and uh, that that's what's key right now is is we've got so many. Which one are they hitting and why? You know, is that a red oak, a white oak, close to water, close to bedding? But you'll find you'll find the droppings and and you'll find the rubs and some scrapes around those areas that are. They're hot, and they're changing. They're they're changing every three to five days. And and uh, the minute that you think that there can't be any more acorns, you walk where you walked last week, and darn if there's not a whole pile of them right there on the ground. You know, I agree, one hundred percent. Okay, Mike. Well, I appreciate the call, buddy. I, I'm terribly sorry to hear about your wife. I know it's devastating loss for you. And again, prayers, buddy. Okay. Well, I appreciate Jim, and but she's in a better place, and. Everything will be all right. Okay, well, I uh, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Everything on this <laughs> earth is a dance getting ready for what goes on upstairs. More people realize that, the better. So I'm glad you got that perspective. Uh, hey, well, appreciate Scott, you, let's we'll talk, talk a little things. bit about um, this profusion of food. But here's the thing. Deer, when they start to rut, when they go into pre-rut, and I think you and I both agree, pre-rut is, <laughs> it's already here. It Maybe is. not to a great degree, but they've already started to uh, do some scraping. They're starting to eyeball their buddies like, you're not my buddy anymore because uh, Fifi over the ridge is my baby doll, and I might not like you being around her. Uh, these are deer behavioral traits that occur throughout October, but normally it's a little later. And we talked about this early stuff. I I think we're on average, and I I don't think I'm stretching my neck a bit, 10 days to two weeks early. I'm I'm leaning towards the, I'm leaning towards the, 
the five to ten day mark uh, in a lot of areas and in some areas I'm, I'm leaning towards the the two to two and a half week mark um, and to talk about that a little bit a lot of folks that have trail cameras maybe they've got trail cameras out I guarantee you uh, Saturday evening and Sunday morning if you go back and check your cards this this week or you know looking into the future they're they're going to see new deer activity they're going to lose deer they're going to have new deer uh there's there's a lot of these bigger mature deer that you know have gone by people's feeders and and things that traditional big deer just don't do necessarily regular i'm not saying that people can't have big deer uh you know putting their mouth in a feeder or whatever but these bucks are they're checking where these does are at they're starting to lay out their travel areas um they tend to do this. A lot of times they do this nocturnally um, in October, but I'm seeing just a lot more uh, daylight transition movement. And, you know, it's no different last night. The deer I was hunting at 530 was, I mean, he had come out of one area and he was going into another uh, to, to check bedding sites and to eat acorns along the way. And, well, and when well, people me, ask... Let me quantify what I said a little more closely or narrowly, if you will, so people understand where I'm coming from. I'm not saying the deer are going to breed earlier. I'm not necessarily saying the peak of the estrus, which is what I consider the peak of the rut, is going to fall earlier. What I'm saying is the deer are in such excellent physical condition that they're uh, in the bucks, the testosterone is going to be up. In the does, the estrogen is, is going to be excellent. And, and the pre-rut is going to start earlier and run longer, leading up to the peak of the breeding cycle. I do, however, think, given the above statements, that there are going to be a number of does come into estrus a little earlier. I do think there's definitely going to be bucks that are going to be crazy uh, about their uh, rut activity. Uh, by that I mean, you know, searching, seeking, fighting, chasing. They're, it's going to be wild on their regard. I, I truly believe this. Leading up to, you know, about the 10th of November, there's going to be random movement that's going to startle everybody, I think. Yeah. And, you know, with the acorn situation in the pre-rut, too, you know, I've heard I've heard probably 90% of the guys and gals that I associate with on sharing intel complain about how many acorns there are. Um, I look at it a little bit different because it's tough uh, for folks right now um that are using archery equipment and and muzzleloader equipment you know it's, it's green right now um it's actually a little bit more on the green side than normal um, i think that's going to change real quick the acorns are abundant and people are not necessarily getting a picture of a deer every day or they're not seeing them in the same spot every day they're not as predictable or patternable compared to what years past have brought them. but what people got to remember is the agriculture harvest in general is behind. Um, it used to be traditional that around Thanksgiving there were still people in the field getting grain in, and, and you know there's probably some hay that's still going to be cut. I think the increased cost in fuel has you know kept people off the bush hog a little bit. Um, and how does this lead and relate to deer hunting? You have a situation right now to where when deer 
truly start throwing the switch into this full breeding cycle that we know as the rut or the etrus or whatever it is, deer can be anywhere and everywhere because there is so much food. We have better habitat for deer right now than what we've had in years past because one of those key factors of habitat is food. And when food is abundant, man, we all, I mean, the deer capitalize, we capitalize, and and they're going to have to get up on their feet more. They're going to have to move more. Um, The traditional aspect of western Kentucky, a lot of people want to talk about how it's abundant in agriculture and hunting sometimes has, you know, uh, better odds or bigger deer. Well, man, acorns grow big deer. I mean, it, the browse, natural native habitat grows big deer. Um, you just don't have to be in the western part of the state. And these deer, they're going to be moving, and they're going to have to move. The little bucks, the big bucks, the does are going to be more spread out. And they don't want to breed this one. They want to breed all of them. And they're going to be bouncing bedding areas. They're going to have to be uh, moving a little bit more, I think, and, and being up on their feet during daylight hours. And as far as the archery hunters and crossbow hunters, our gun season, um, you know, coming in middle of uh, November, hey, if there's ever been a year in, in the state of Kentucky for the stage to be set for uh, a bow hunter's, you know, forecast and, and, and harvesting does and big mature bucks are just getting out there and, and, and filling a tag that the hunter's satisfied with, it's this is it. I mean, this is really a good setting and a good stage that that we're in, and and uh, it's like it's going to be the Mardi Gras, you know, of of pre rut hunting. There's no doubt about it. I couldn't agree more. All right, folks, we got to go to break. This break is presented by Paul Thomas at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty. All kind of wildlife management properties, farms, vacation homes, and lake houses and cabins. Check them out and all their listings at M-O-P-H-A-R-T-Realty.com. We're back on Demonstrator Outdoors. If you want to reach us tonight with any reports you've got about uh, the early muzzleloader season, archery season, fishing, if you're on the way back from a lake, we always love reports from those of you who are in the field or on the water. The number is 571-8484-1800-444. 8484, which is exactly what my man, Ben Martin from up in Ohio. Benny, can you hear me? I can, Jim. Uh, Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir, I can. Folks, Ben Martin is a frequent guest on the program. He's a Hall of Fame bird dog trainer, Springer Spaniel breeder out of southern Ohio. What's on your mind tonight, Ben? Well, I just was enjoying the show and thought I'd give you a call and tell you that. That's some really interesting information. I've been a little worried because I'm not I'm I'm not that up on uh, the deer hunting and their activities, but I'm coming back from a uh, an English cocker event uh, in the state of Michigan, and I just thought I'd give you a call and tell you. It's good entertainment while I'm out here traveling up and down the roads. <laughs> well, I know you've come to deer hunting here late in life, and it's something that, uh, you know, you've really enjoyed, especially eating venison and what have you. So I'm I'm tickled it's, it's uh, hitting the mark with you, Ben. How'd you do in your trial? I got a third place for my young dogs. Um, it was really 
tough conditions. We're driving through creeks. They got a flood up here. It's it's totally different than where I'm at there north of Cincinnati, but there's just water every place, and uh, of course I I know that's affecting their deer. Uh, one guy went drove his quad runner through the landowner's food plot of radish and various other things, and I thought he's going to have a coronary on us, but. Okay, well I'm gonna lay back uh, and carry on hunting. Yep. Well I'm delighted to hear you're enjoying the program and uh I hope you're gonna get out and try to plunk a couple of deer this year. You've had pretty good success the last couple of years, so stay after bed boy. A lot of activity and uh, you know, we've been putting we're allowed to up here. I don't know about you, but we put I put apples out, and, and they love that. So, hey, I won't hold you up anymore, Jim. I, I'll just prayer back and listen to the rest of the show. Thanks, Benny. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, Scott, uh, we were talking about the uh, condition of the deer and the pre-rut. Uh, we only got two minutes here, but I think scrape activity is going to be something to really, really, really keen on going forward for the next two to three weeks, don't you? Uh, I do. When we get back from the break, let's talk a little bit about some things some folks can do to, to get some good pictures and, and and to start having a successful scrape hunt. Okay, because, you know, I, I never will forget I about fainted. I, I won't mention the name, but it's a very prominent member of Kentucky Fish and Wildlife Resources one time said, scrape hunting is just really a joke because mature bucks don't come to scrapes during daylight. And I was like, what in the hell are you talking about? I'm sure yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about some of those stereotypes or, I guess, rumors about scrapes and, and then what my real-world experience has been. Yeah, well, I've... I've threaded several big bucks standing in scrapes and, and tended them, and it was some of the most remarkable things that I remember about my deer hunting career, certainly. And I got a lot of folks from the old days, Roger Rothard, the Wenzels, people that uh, love to talk about hunting scrapes. And obviously, you enjoy that type of scouting and the opportunity, too. All right, folks, got to go to break. It's presented by SMI Marine. Go see them. Thank Greg Carey. Remember, he never gets soaked by my friends at SMI Marine. Back on Jim Strader Outdoors, and again, we've got Scott Cronin, a buddy of mine who's a very serious and studious deer hunter. He's an all-seasons, all-weapons type of hunter who's killed lots of big deer on public and private lands. We're talking about this year's deer season and uh, things that are kind of on the horizon going forward. Again, if you have a deer story for us or something you'd like to relate about this early muzzleloader season weekend, calls it 
1-800-444-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Scott, for a break, we were talking about scrapes and their importance in deer hunting. And my goodness, we could spend <laughs> hour upon hour. But you had some things burning in your belly that you wanted to say about before break. So that- I'm going to turn it over yeah. to you, brother. Okay, absolutely. So uh, the thing is, is you'll hear things about scrapes and, and rub lines and, you know, how those aren't successful. Um, that's all baloney. Um, and the reason why is you can't hunt a scrape necessarily or you can't hunt a rub, but there are things that you can put together. Um, now, if someone says, hey, did you hunt a scrape line? Did you hunt a uh a rub line and be, you know, see success. I can answer that absolutely. It's got to be fresh. Um, but what are those things telling us? Um, the experts that quote unquote that want to be experts, um, they forget that they need to be adaptable. They need to be diverse. A lot of times people are getting paid more for what they're selling, not necessarily volunteering their time for what they know. Um, you kind of got to distinguish those people and you got to distinguish a good rub line and a good scrape line. Uh, just like you can, you know, distinguish good advice versus, you know, someone selling you snake oil. When you look at these scrapes uh, and these scrapes start popping up, some are only going to be active one time. Some are going to be extremely active. Some are going to be active in the woods. Some are going to be active on field edges. What people need to remember is that a lot of these scrapes will start early in the pre-rut uh, being active, and they will continue to be active all the way through late gun season even into muzzleloader season, and those are kind of your community scrapes. Um, folks do need to understand that there's ways that you can utilize the Internet and read articles of and, and look at different uh, aspects of, of media, old articles you've written, whatever it is on how to use grapevine or how to use a piece of oak, uh, you know, a white oak branch or a red oak branch, something that will hold its leaves if you cut it when it's green and, and make a, uh, a mock scrape. And, and do that. But what people need to remember is these rub lines, these scrape lines, um, they're basically telling us a particular deer's path. I mean, it's, it's, it's going from bedding area to bedding area or what route they travel or what direction that they travel. And, and here's the thing. If a deer's laid down a great scrape line or early in the season, I, I wouldn't focus so much on rubs right now is, is earlier in October, but if that sign is there, that sign is telling us something. So you're either hunting a transitionary, you may kill the deer over the scrape because you set your stand up or your blind or you hunted from the ground or put up, you know, your, yourself in an elevated position in a tree set or whatever your style of hunting is. You may have killed them on the scrape, but what that scrape or that scrape line is telling us, it's, it's where trails are coming together. It's where a ditch or a fence row, you know, feeds into something. It's transitioning into food. It's transitioning into bedding. And those are key areas to focus on. What people have to remember is that uh, the amount of humidity in the air, the type of weather that we have are all going to have a huge impact on how often these scrapes are getting hit. If a scrape's getting, if a scrape's put in a spot, if you'll notice, if it gets dried out by the sun, a lot of times that scrape won't even get back active again till it rains. So you try to find these scrapes that these deer have in shaded areas or lower areas that have a little bit better soil moisture, uh, try to get you a trail camera and, and put it up at an elevated position and, and watch that 
And year in and year out, uh, yes, you'll have some areas that have a hot scrape randomly that'll just pop up. But anywhere that you're seeing uh, property lines come together or a change in succession, you know, uh, alfalfa field or corn field or just an overgrown field next to the wood line, these are all areas where deer just they're just traveling. They're using their nose. They're they're trying to find hot does. They're laying down sign. Deer are a social animal. Um, and they're going to be social at night. They're going to be social during the day. They're going to be social on hot days, cold days. And any time that an animal leaves its trace behind, that's a route. Um, that's That can be their droppings. That can be their rubs. That can be their scrapes. That can be whatever. But if you will hunt a deer's route, the way that it's moving from point A to point B or whatever loop it's taking, you're going to find success. You just have to do everything else right. You got to play the wind right. You got to hunt on the right conditions of the weather on these fronts. You need to look at any type of changing food source, and you need to figure out where their hormone level is and what's fluctuated. Uh, you know, there's too many people that are saying, "I'm not seeing deer." but they're hunting in places that they're not seeing deer sign. You'll never see anybody or, or, or talk to anybody that's saying, hey, man, I'm in really hot deer sign, but I'm not seeing any deer. That's the, that's the difference. You can't go to that 16-foot ladder stand and hunt it September, October, November, and December and expect to see the same results in September as you're seeing in late bow season in January, trying to finish out filling your tags. People hey man, let, let me expand on that a little bit because there's uh, it, it's this simple, and this is where I, I you know me I tend to break it down into keep it simple, stupid you know the old kiss theory. Mm-hmm. There's two reasons that bucks in general, but big bucks in particular, scrape. The first is they want the does in the area to know that they either are evident there a lot or they're cruising the area. And Fifi, I will be through here again. I am mm-hmm. seeking you out for breeding purposes. The second is to tell the other bucks in the area, I am the boss hog. I will have the majority of breeding rights here. If you don't believe so, wait till I find you in or near my areas that I dominate, and we're going to have us a real brouhaha. Now, those two mm-hmm. things point to something that most people don't understand. If if those types of primary scrapes is what I call them are in or around deer high interaction areas. Example, near major licking branches where most of the deer in an area go to place their scent uh, to communicate with one another. These are often on field edges like where you killed your buck the other night, for example. They're on uh, uh, ridge tops where several uh, uh, drains come together and a lot of deer pass through one area. Those kind of places are high traffic, high volume areas where a big buck instinctively knows if he lets the does know he's there and he can deter or intimidate the smaller bucks, he's got a real good chance having some serious breeding activity there. Those kind of places, to your point, hunted intelligently with the wind right and the conditions right. Buddy, a place like that, you spoke to this earlier. Get there after a a rainy or stormy period. When they want to freshen that scrape, let those 
bucks and does know they're there. You talk about a, a prime time to hunt or a light drizzly period where there's a break and it's gonna that that drizzle's gonna break out. It's gonna be clear that afternoon and into the next day that that evening and that next morning. Prime times to, to sit these places and it's it's really just common sense, but. That hadn't been preached enough, I don't think, in today's world. Because to your point, it's gimmicks. It's sent to draw him there. It's it's this or that product to to you know make a buck stupid when they're anything but stupid. That's right. The the tools that we have available to us, um, the materials deer stands are made out of. You know, the tree saddle aspect of hunting coming back, uh, rubber boots versus lace up boots. All of these things, you know what alloy your bullet's made out of, what caliber, what broadhead fixed. None of that really, you need to focus more on the biology and, and the, the, the deer, the species itself and learning it because you can have the best equipment in the world. And if you're not putting yourself where deer are at, you're not going to be able to utilize your equipment. Um, it, it is nice, man. It's nice. It's nice to have warmer clothes. It's nice to have dry feet. Um, it's nice not to have so much bulk and and different things. And and very, you can be very, very efficient and very strategic and strike um, as a sniper almost on these deer with some of the improvements that we've had over the last few years. But you got to be in the deer first, and you got to know the deer first. The 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 gimmicky part of all of this. Has, has got to be set aside. And, and I guarantee you, you go to any retail sporting goods store and there's people that have more gear and more equipment than they have places to go and hunt. And, and people, people need to, people need to kind of start thinking about this. If you're not seeing deer, there, there's a reason. Uh, you know, leave, leave your good spots alone. If you've hunted the same ladder stand or you got a homemade, you know, box blind or you, you just sit on the ground and you do that opening day at deer season, no one's taking that away. But there's a big difference in people that are hunting deer and scouting deer 365 days a year versus people that are just going out there two to three days out of the year with a firearm or a bow or coming in from out of state, whatever it is. Um, you've got to really start looking at, um, you know, what skill level you're at, what your goals are, um, you know, what's going to bring you joy. Um, this program is not about uh, inches or age. It's a, it's about people having success and enjoyment in the field and and uh, you got to hunt deer sign whether you want to kill uh freezer meat or you want to you know have a high taxidermy bill you got to hunt deer sign you got to hunt where deer are at well said well said let's go to break i got gary from elkmont alabama on hold and this break is presented by smi marine 11400 westport road go see them i'll take great care of you remember you'll never get soaked by my friends at smi we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors, and uh, Gary from Elk Knot, Alabama, has been on hold since before the break. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Hey, Jim, always good to talk to you, buddy. Yes, sir. Yeah, just uh, answer the questions you always ask me. Our mass crop is a, a hunter's nightmare down here. I, I hunt the <laughs> two southern counties right on Interstate 65 where you go into Alabama, and then I hunt hunt in Alabama around Huntsville, and you can't take a step without crotching a nut. Well, that, Are you there? No way that's a very good thing for the deer herd and for the for the uh, growth of the antlers. 
in, in years going forward. Oh, yeah. How unusual is your crop? Is it ours? Is I call ours super abundant. It's exactly like yours. Exactly. Okay. You know, guys, the the good thing about this, uh, you know, for the guys that don't, the guys and gals that don't like all the acorns. They're, they're not going to like this comment, but with these long 10-day and 14-day and outlooks right now of, of us being dry, a lot of the mass crop is going to stay good. It's not going to sprout. It's, it's not going to rot. And, uh, you know, but it, it could change real quick. We could get some, some wet weather, which is what all your big meteorologists are predicting, that, that more into October we're going to be wetter than average in, in the southeast. And, we could see a lot of rotten acorns real quick. So um, we better capitalize on what we got for right now. Uh, very, very and good then point. Just, then just real quick, Jim, um, I saw a couple of nice bucks this evening when I was moving out. Then, now there's, of course, I run, runs about two or three weeks behind y'all. And, uh, and uh, their bodies weren't even swelling yet. They still look like they were in their summer body. I see. Well, boy, ours are just sleek yep. and fat, and, and the necks are already swollen on a lot of the mature bucks. It's we're we're ahead. We're yeah. we're we're a good week ahead, if not two weeks, somewhere in the ten day to two week period. And again, I'm not talking about we're going to have an early, you know, estrus breeding cycle per se, but the oh, bucks yeah. are act like it. I can tell you that. And and real quick, it's in dairy related, but I have my little squirrel dogs out this evening, and I'm finding that uh, this abundance of mass is also making it a little hard on finding the squirrels for me. Maybe it's, it's just me, but I uh, saw a few, but not like what I normally see, um, I guess because it's too much for them to eat. Well, probably so, although here I'm seeing them everywhere. Scott and I talked about that uh, a little early in the program. It's going to be a a band a year from that, and uh, I'm gonna get Scott out with my little squirrel dog. He, I'm gonna get him and his daughter out. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, listen, All right, Gary. It was always good to hear from you, brother. Bye bye. Keep us posted. Hey, uh, Scott, we got about uh, three minutes here till break. Uh, give us parting shots or things you need to pass along to folks about scouting or stand placement uh again we'll do another show with you here real soon but uh just abundant foods lots of activity yeah it, it is and and uh you know folks need to remember that uh i'm not an old timer and uh, i'm 43 years young but there's a whole lot of of epic big deer killers uh, that are legends uh if you ever really get to talk to them and uh, the one thing that I pick up on them saying all the time, and I'm a I'm a huge believer in, in new products and innovations, but a lot of them old timers say you want a picture of it or you want to kill it, and so it, folks need to be in the woods and, and know when to be out, and you you still got to do the work yourself. It's a big difference in a camera hanging on a tree versus a, a body being in a tree. So uh, do your homework, and and uh, people be amazed at what wildlife they'll see. Um, that's not showing up on their trail cameras. Um, you know, don't let that be your only tool and be diverse. Try some new things and, and leave your good old traditional spots alone. Uh, if you need to till gun season and, and, uh, go buy a crossbow or, or 
pick up a compound bow or go squirrel hunting and just get out and see what's going on. Walk back to the farm pond or, or uh, you know, just take a walk with your wife or your significant other or whatever it is. Get your grandkids out. Uh, enjoy your retirement. Uh, do something after work. Enjoy the outdoors. Get out. By the way. Hey, I want to leave them with one thought. With the abundance of food and the scattered food we got, don't be dismayed that you're not seeing the big deer on your property now, this year, that you normally see this time in previous seasons because they got food everywhere they walk. They're not going to disperse until the rut really pulls at them. And you watch, there'll be an implosion of big deer show up in areas where you thought there weren't any before. That's one thing that cameras lie to you a little bit. And this is a year when I think they're going to lie to a lot of people because they're they're going to say, oh, there's no big deer on this property. Huh. Watch what will happen when they disperse. All right, folks. Hey, Scott, really appreciate you joining us. We're going to be here for same, place, same time next week. Check us out during the week at Jim Strader Outdoor. It's Rocktober, everybody. The best month of the year. Get out and get every bit of it you can. God bless. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.